Hey everybody, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast, brought to you alongside the awesome guys at Coan. Um, welcome to episode two then of our mini-series all about culture. And once again, I am delighted to be joined by Roger, the founder of Derby Giants, and Georgia, the head of Derby Giants' OKR culture practice. Welcome guys. Hey there. So good to have you both with us again, even if that was a slight delayed reaction. Um, if you've not listened to the first episode, highly recommend that you turn this one off now, go and make a cup of tea and put the first episode on first and sit back and enjoy that because this one's going to lead on from that one. Um, so it's cool to get that context first. So today, then, episode two of this mini series, we're going to be talking about psychological safety. We're going to be talking about what it is why it's so important to success and why it is absolutely fundamental for successful implementation of OKRs and about really how to build traction with OKRs uh, through improving your psychological safety. Um, so I've got Georgia and Roger with me again, like I say. Um, let's dive in then. So psychological safety seems to be becoming a little bit of a kind of buzzword, buzz phrase at the moment um, amongst organizations. Uh, but George, if I can come to you on this question, what is it? What is psychological safety? Sure. And, and I agree. It has become a, a very kind of current term, perhaps in light of where we're at culturally, globally, and the, the, the stuff that's been going on. Um, and there are yeah. definitions out there, but I'll share one that comes from the four stages of um, psychological safety, because I think it's really clear. So psychological safety is a condition in which human beings feel included, safe to learn, safe to contribute, and safe to challenge the status quo, all without fear of being embarrassed or marginalised or punished in some way. So I think even just reflecting on that definition, there are some very direct and tangible links with OKRs um, just from that one, one definition. Um, and the four st stages of psychological safety was originated by um, Timothy Clark. And he also says it, it, what psychological safety means is that it shouldn't be expensive for us to be ourselves at work that we shouldn't need to expend energy or have to put effort in, consciously or otherwise, trying to cover up who we are or not feel exposed or protect ourselves in some way or not care or not feel upset about how others are behaving towards us. Because all of that energy, all of that effort is being diverted away from um, focus on achievement or performance, let alone innovation and growth. Hmm. So that's interesting. So we've got a definition there and a little bit more of a in practice uh, description, I suppose. But I guess the difficult thing about this for organisations is we're all individuals, right? We're all unique. Um, so surely we're not all going to react the same to how a culture is built within an organisation. No, no, we're not. Um, we're going to react um through the, the lens from which we perceive the world as an individual and, and calibrate our sense of psychological safety. In fact, we're kind of doing it all the time and a lot of that runs quite unconsciously for us. It's the, 
the um, fight, flight or freeze pattern that uh, is quite automated in us. And when we're in an organisation or in a team or in a business and, and, and a lot of stuff is very familiar, that gets dialed down. But new stuff, change, shifting circumstances um, will send us on a bit of an alert again. And it isn't a fixed state psychological safety. It's not like it's on or off. It's, you know, there's kind of shades of grey and all the colours of the rainbow in between um, not having any at all and having the highest level of it. So there's quite a lot of complexity in this, actually, to think about. Yeah, so you've kind of touched there then that we have levels of psychological safety in our personal lives, in our work lives. Um, Does this mean that the environment that we find ourselves living in, working in, how that changes and adapts around us plays an important role when it comes to psychological safety? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's partly because human beings react to psychological threats or perceived threats in the same way that we do to physical threats. So we're having a, you know, a kind of fundamental automated experience based on our sense of how safe the environment that we are in is for us. So um, we're kind of constantly sensing in a way how psychologically safe we feel. And we're, you know, we're, we're intrinsically designed to kind of protect that for ourselves. Um, you know, COVID's just an interesting example of the range of experience that people feel or felt, for example, at the end of lockdown when we could go out again. Some people were up for it and were, you know, out and about all over the place safely, one would hope. Other people have really chosen to stay at home without any Mm. um, apparent medical need or health history need to do so. So, yes, it can um, really impact on our behaviour, the the nature of the environment that we're in, and certainly organisationally. That's really interesting. What what can go wrong then when psychological safety isn't present for an individual and a team and within an organisation? So so lots, and and that potentially depends (laughs) on the level of psychological safety that either was there and changed or wasn't there in the first place. But we certainly can't access what it takes to, um, to grow and to innovate if we, if we aren't able to challenge the status quo, as an example, or we don't feel safe to do that, then people won't come forward and, and, and speak up. Uh, we can absolutely lose people's willingness to contribute, to put forward their ideas and their opinions if they don't feel that that is safe or their, their, their thoughts will be valued or um, listened to in some way. So that means we can end up with very risk-averse behaviour um, and people will withdraw their discretionary effort and focus on kind of keeping themselves safe and within their own comfort zone to protect themselves. So it, it can really have massive impact. Mm, so we're starting to see why it's so important then, absolutely. Uh- um, so two of the elements of psychological safety that you've discussed and you've, you've talked about there, Georgia, um, is the feeling safe to contribute and feeling safe to challenge the status quo, which I think is um, a, really, a really fascinating area for discovery, really. Um, Roger, we advocate every day you know, with our clients and through the podcast and through everything else that we do. Um, the use of OKRs for non-business-as-usual activities. Yeah. And we ask people to take 
take those calculated risks, uh, stretch their objectives, um, you know, do all those things, show vulnerability in front of each other at check-ins, show when they're not quite, um, you know, on track, where they need help. If psychological safety isn't present in an organisation, can OKR succeed? No. Quite simply. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, so but let me embellish that a little bit further. So you, you're absolutely right to say that you know where where people are required to stretch to take, as you say, calculated, um, sensible risks. Um, they need to feel safe enough to do that because there's the chance that it might not work, and if they fear. Uh, that if it doesn't work, they're going to get berated, penalised, uh, held back, pay reduced or whatever. They're just going to play it safe. It's quite simple. The, you know, that mechanism that Georgia was talking about that is hardwired into us all where we're constantly, uh, you know, scanning for that which may do us harm, in other words, threats, and also to some degree as well, that that may be nice for us, that that could be a reward. But, you know, this is a very, very primitive piece of wiring that we all have. And um, it's for most people, the majority of people, that, you know, the the, the scales are weighted more towards protecting us from threat than moving us towards um, uh, uh, reward. So, if we detect that it is not safe, for instance, in a team check-in to stick our hands up and say, actually, my confidence on hitting this key result by the end of the period is not quite as high as I'd like it to be. If, 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 we, if we feel that that is, that is a, a dangerous thing for us to admit to, then the chances are we'll probably say, you know what? Yep, it's on track, it's on track, it's on track, it's on track. You get to the end of the quarter and it's not delivered and it's too late to do anything about it by that point so Mm. this is why psychological safety is so important particularly in those uh, checking conversations because if you're talking about levels of confidence that is that's your that that's your early warning system for the business that's your early warning system to show or rather to signal where uh, there may be some uh, some bumps in the road ahead and it gives you, if there's open and honest communication going on, it gives you the chance to course correct before you hit that bump uh, mm. so that you can, mm. in fact, actually get to the end of the road. In other words, the end of the quarter. So, yeah, uh, uh, psychological safety, absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. And, and just to jump in there then, what is the problem for a business owner, let's say, um, having their employees wanting to play it safe? Well, you won't get much in terms of uh, in, in terms of innovation. You'll get mediocrity, pretty much. You'll get the same old that you've probably had before. Um, you need, if you particularly want to see growth, if you want to see new things tried, if you want to see innovation, people have to be... Uh, feel safe well feel willing enough to try and safe enough to fail in a controlled manner so this isn't you know i I, is what i call intelligent failure so you know and we've always advocated using okrs to test out ideas that's how innovation works that's how it happens and 
uh, 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 but so long as there is the uh, the uh, ability to to learn from that failure and then demonstrate how we apply that learning the next time round, then that I would always argue is higher performance than just playing it safe and never even trying. Mm. Mm. Okay, let me flip this for you then. Um, if psychological safety is going to create a platform from which we can deliver high performance. Can there be such a thing as being too psychologically safe and, you know, results being taken, uh, sorry, you know, risks being taken left, right and centre um, and, and really, you know, starting to kind of go a bit too far the other way? Um, sorry, go on, Georgia. I was going to say, I, I, technically it sounds like that's possible, but actually with challenger safety in place people should be able to feel safe to say hold on that's too risky i disagree so what i what i can what i do think happens and i've seen plenty of times is um we feel very comfortable with each other uh, and we get on well and we've learned how to work together but that can create group think it can actually create arrogance and there are plenty of organisation, um, organisational examples of where the business has become arrogant that it holds the market position and it doesn't need to do anything else now. Um, we can become blasé if we're not really aligned around the level of risk that we are prepared to take financially or in terms of resource allocation or whatever it may be. Uh, and if we're not sufficiently outward looking. But challenger safety should ensure that there is the space and the desire to hear those opposing views and kind of come back to um, a revised decision-making process. Absolutely. Can, can I yeah. just illustrate that with a, a bit of a story, if I may? Mm. Mm. Um, VW, <laughs> VW, Dieselgate, okay, mm. cost, has cost them billions of dollars and is still costing them billions of dollars. Um, the leader of the organisation... Um, uh, at, at the time when way be, well, when when uh, the strategy was put in place that actually led to Dieselgate was uh, a, a gentleman called Ferdinand Pich, and he uh, was known for having a rather abrasive style of leadership. Um, often used threats to get, uh, as he put it, the best from people, and. At the point of um, uh, 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 putting or shaping the strategy, which, like I say, ultimately led to Dieselgate, he made it very, very clear that he wanted VW to be the number one or rather the largest car manufacturer in the world. And that meant beating Toyota because Toyota were, were the largest at that point. And they couldn't do that unless they cracked the states. And VW, up to that point, apart from the Beetle, which was always popular in the States, had never been a big seller in the States. They'd always uh, uh, trailed behind the domestic uh, uh, makes. Now, the thing was, though, the engine technology which VW had, or certainly had majorly invested in, was diesel. And diesel wasn't a particularly popular uh, fuel in the States. However, they were able to promote that uh, the emission, from the emissions angle, that diesel was actually uh, a much, much cleaner fuel uh, for, um, uh, uh, for, 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 uh, for that market and try to get in that way. However, that wasn't true. 
that wasn't true. And because he had mandated this had to be done beyond any any other priority, you know, in one respect, I say, you know, I admire him for having that single you know, single point of vision, North Star. But the problem was, as you say, George, there was no challenge of safety available because people were frightened. Mm. And they they came at this from the point of view of, we've got to do this no matter what. Mm. And actually, they got quite innovative and quite creative, but they ended up cutting corners in rather unproductive ways because they put these defeat devices into the software of vehicles that meant that they proved that the emissions were really low which meant that they would be seen as a really popular choice or a really safe choice or a really clean choice and that would get the market share and so on and so forth so that's what led to these defeat devices being put on when they're in test they appeared really clean but actually out on the road they were dirtier than you know, than, 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 than anyone ever thought. And that, it has been a, that was a failure of leadership at, at, at VW, well, well uh, uh, categorised. But it's, it's, it is an ex, it's a classic example of where the absence of, of that challenger safety that you refer to, Georgia, um, mm. actually led to, you know, an organisation uh, having to foot a bill for billions of dollars. Um, and that's what potentially can happen if people don't feel safe enough. They were so to take your question about you know can people go too far? Yes, they went too far, and they really really pushed very very hard, and they were ambitious. But in doing so, ultimately they fell short because, you know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. they ended up um, it ended up costing them. Not to mention as well the incredible amount of. Um, impact it's had on health as well uh, yeah. from, a, from an, an emissions point of view. And actually my understanding yeah, of, of that example, Roger, is that ultimately they broke the law. Because they did, yes, exactly. bypassed the standard testing at whatever the emissions level were that was yeah. in US legislation. They lied, they lied. Yeah. As, a, as yeah. an organisation, they lied. There's no two ways about it. People were prepared to break the law rather than speak up. And that says a lot, doesn't it? They were actually prepared to endanger. And these are people who are scientists that understand the impact of, you know, pollution in the environment. They were prepared to endanger people's lives rather than speak up. It's a very powerful example. Mm. Koan is a purpose-built solution for managing your OKRs, helping your teams achieve their objectives, getting them aligned and absolutely helping them stay engaged. Sharing spreadsheets simply doesn't scale when you're trying to grow a business. With Koan, you can scale OKRs across your entire company whilst keeping the teams motivated and moving in the right direction. Now, Lawrence, there's lots of things we love about Koan, but tell me one of yours. So I've got to say one of my favorite things is that Koan just allows you to have a bit of fun with the OKR process. Yeah. Um, in in series two, I think it was episode three of this podcast, we actually <laughs> spent about half an hour, 40 minutes talking about the importance of making OKRs fun for your team. Yeah. Um, and, and Koan allows you to do that perfectly. Yeah. You know, even just things like adding a, a gift to, to your reflections, add some real personality 
and I think I probably waste far too much time each week looking for the perfect gift, to be honest. But <laughs> it, it allows that fun throughout the organisation, and that's something that's really important if you're going to keep people engaged. You are known for having the best gifts Thank you in, very much. in the team, definitely. <laughs> so if you would like to find out more about how to make OKRs fun, uh, whilst using a great system, then pop along to uh, Koan, that's K-O-A-N dot co forward slash giants, where you'll find also a great paper that we co-wrote with them on how to build accountability and collaboration using OKRs. So, I mean, what an unbelievable example to show how important psychological safety is in an organisation. Um, Georgia, how do we actually improve it? Well, there's, there's quite a lot involved and it depends on where the team is and the organisation, you know, what's their starting point. Um, there are, in the model, the four stages of psychological safety, as we've said, there are kind of four stages and it is, it is a journey. It's not on or off or from none to challenger safety. Um, mm. And what, what's really key is that um, it's assessed at team level because teams can vary greatly in their level of psychological safety, dependent on the leadership style of their leader. Um, And so Mm. leaders also need to be engaged in understanding how they're impacting psychological safety, positively or not, as the case may be, and and what needs to happen in terms of behaviour change being role modelled from from the top, which is where we link back to kind of culture and values and behaviours and in action. Um, and there are some really practical tips and tools that can be uh, can be done at, at team level, but it does depend on what the what the starting point is. Right. Okay. And I think we can start to come on to that a little bit more as well in the um, in the last episode, the third episode of this mini series, where we're going to be talking about um, you know psychological safety a little bit more and, and it being the secret ingredient and what those steps can be. Um. You've mentioned there that you know it can differ greatly team by team, but are there any telltale signs to look out for when assessing that level of psychological safety within those teams? Yeah, I, I think there are all sorts of, of practical things. And again, depending at, at, at what stage that team may be at. Um, so, for example, you know, in a, in a as we just talked about, in a check-in or, a, you know, one of those... Um, uh, kind of discussions and dialogues at the end of the quarter around discussing OKRs, if people aren't contributing, if they're not coming up with ideas, that mm-hmm. would be a sign that there's something going on that's, you know, stopping them from doing so. Um, and actually, that you know, that in some ways it's quite simple. There are four questions we can ask of people to assess where they're feeling that they are individually. How included do you feel? Do you feel welcome here? Do you feel welcome to be yourself here? How safe do you feel to learn? Because, again, linking back to OKRs, very often there's quite a lot of learning for people involved. It might be in the software, it might be in the process, it's in the language of how we frame OKRs and the ways in which we work together. So how safe people feel to learn is really important. And if we can't learn new stuff, actually, it's unlikely that we'll feel safe to contribute. And then, you know, how safe do we feel to challenge the status quo without fear? Without, without fear of some kind of um, negative impact on us. So th- th- there are lots of, of telltale signs and they'll show up in different ways depending on the level that the team is at. 
Yeah. Roger, are there any other specific examples from the OKR world that, that you'd like to just add in there as telltale signs? Yeah, people not contributing at, um, at check-ins. <laughs> it's yeah. it's, as simple, it's as simple as that, you know. When you've got, you know, you the 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 room is silent, um, and yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or you just get a lot of nodding dogs um, who just go with whatever they you know they think uh, people or particularly the manager wants to, wants to hear. Um, those would be my what, so what? so. I guess the lack of challenge, the lack of challenge, and the lack of the lack of curiosity. Uh, on the part of uh, team members, you know, okay, I'm curious as to how that's happened, and, and I'm curious as to how we could make it better. You know, that absence of curiosity, I think, is is also a telltale sign. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. What do you think about the? Um, what do you think about Roger? This is mainly for you. The when you see cases of disparity between the level of progress on an OKR and the level of confidence that OKR own has put against the OKR. So do you mean where perhaps there's there's high confidence but low progress? Exactly, yeah. And yeah. low contribution as well, piggybacking yeah, so, on what you were saying. So um, the, that would be a big red flag as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I'd, yeah, I'd, want to, I'd want to be drilling into it. Um, if that hadn't been discussed already, I mean, the interesting thing is, I suppose, that if the if if with that example, you know, perhaps the key result owner was not feeling safe enough in the first place. I wonder whether they'd actually, you know, mark that they um, were uh, that that they had not made progress. Maybe they might even, you know, be I wouldn't say lying, but being creative. <laughs> perhaps to to keep the spotlight on themselves. The route. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, <laughs> these these things happen. Yeah, these these things happen. People yeah. people decide to try and play the system um, if they think it's going to yeah. going to help them or protect mm. them. So, strange yeah, things. But for me, that. that's a big tell, a big telltale sign that you can see without having to look yeah. for people not verbalizing or not communicating. You know, you can see that on the system in front of you. Yeah, exactly. I also think that it's possible that there wasn't sufficient level of contribution or challenge in the forming of the OKRs in the first place, and therefore people have ended up with something that they they don't they then don't feel able. Very to good point. Resolve Very good point. And take forward. So then we, you know, what happens is we dip into all the natural human behaviours of procrastination, avoidance, blaming others, finding reasons why I haven't done it or why we haven't done it, or simply saying it's just not going to work because the system isn't good enough or whatever it may be. So we're back into that piece around kind of resistance and, you know, resistance and psychological safety go hand in hand because we are programmed to protect ourselves in the main. And it shows up as resistance when we feel vulnerable or overexposed or at risk in some way from some form of threat. And those psychological threats are very subtle. It might just be that, you know, the the manager's disapproving or Mm. the look on their face, you know, indicates disappointment. For some people, they'll almost do anything to avoid that, including lying. (laughs) <laughs> I know that I know this is final thoughts, Lawrence, but I've got another little story, um, if I may. Oh well, that can be one of our final thoughts, Roger. Go on, okay. another story to end on. <laughs> so this is a personal one, going back to an organisation which I used to work in. I won't name any names, 
but I can remember there was a there was a training program which uh, was um, going to be delivered to uh, a group of to, to a community of professionals. Let me just 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 describe it as that. And these particular professionals had a particular discipline which they practiced, and um, uh, it was my job to uh, uh, to 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 kind of produce the high level design for this program and to commission the delivery of it. So uh, I was involved in uh, some initial piloting, but then I was going to be hands-off and uh, and, uh, 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 and the trainers would do it. And I remember that the, the pilot sessions were brutal, mm. absolutely brutal, because really what was... Um, what the sessions were designed to do was they were designed to try and um, get people thinking a little bit more broadly, get people becoming a little bit more creative. Um, the, you know, the clients were demanding um, innovation in many ways, but it was very, very clear we had a, a, a community of people who were very, very entrenched in their views and, and, and very conservative in their ways. Mm. And, they just sat there and they said, why should we? Why should we do this? Why should we bother? We're only going to get beaten back down, so why should we bother? And that was, that was, it was, it was an incredibly negative and in some way uh, self-defeating attitude. Um, But Mm. you know what? When you listen to what had happened to them for years and years and years, you could kind of understand why you could yeah. because because the culture in that particular organized part of the organization had been quite toxic for a while mm. and they had learned to you know what it was safe for them to just stay in their box keep their head down and tread water until retirement and that was it yeah. So I'd love to say that I was there able to wave a, wave a magic wand and turn it around, but what what actually came came out of it was something more profound. You know, the feedback because I I felt safe enough to feedback to senior management on this. So it, the good thing that did come out of it was that you know I, I was speaking uh, truth to power on this. Um, maybe it's why I didn't stay in the organisation. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I went. I went back and challenged on the behalf of this community uh, as to as to what uh, mm. as as to how they felt, and it was um, that there were some shifts in in practice that happened at a high level as a result of this program, which wasn't the intended yeah. consequence of the program, but it was a good consequence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Georgia. Any final thoughts from yourself? Yeah, just in listening to that story from Roger, I'd say that is a golden opportunity. That is a brilliant starting point to to begin to address what's actually going on for people. Um, and that's mm. the point, you know, if you've got anything like that going on in your team or your organisation, there's any resemblance, come and talk to us. Uh, and it genuinely often does take an external input facilitation to create the environments in which... Uh, both people can speak up freely and really express what's going on for them and leadership can hear it 
because it's very often the case that somehow or another leadership, even if they're being told quite directly, they kind of can't hear it from their own people sometimes um, because of the conditions around the lack of psychological safety that are there because they're just as invested in protecting themselves as their colleagues and team members are. Brilliant point. Yes, Mm. absolutely. Absolutely. Golden nugget to end on. Um, Georgia, Roger, thank you both so much for joining me again. Um, Another fascinating discussion. Uh, Everyone listening, I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm sure you have. Please do tune in for episode three of this mini-series where we'll be digging into psychological safety a little bit more um, and giving you some tips and tricks on really how to unlock it as a secret ingredient for building that healthy culture within your organisation. So make sure you come back for that. Let us know your thoughts on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, And until next time, this has been Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast, brought to you alongside the awesome guys at Coan. And we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Cheers, everyone. Bye.